just before 10 a.m. local time that we started to get our first reports uh, that there was some sort of possible shooting on the campus. Uh, then it was shortly followed uh, by an alert from the campus uh, telling students to steer clear of the engineering building. If you are on campus right now, the message to everybody on campus is to shelter in place. Lock yourself in a safe place until the authorities are able to get to you or provide you a message that it's safe to come out. All the other reports that you're hearing from other sources, please wait until you hear it from an official source, either from LAPD, UCLA, the fire department. Was also you just heard clips of firsthand accounts from the UCLA shooting, which took place on June 1st, 2016. It was the 186th U.S. school shooting since Sandy Hook in 2012. By that count, a gun has been fired on school grounds nearly once a week since the Sandy Hook shootings. According to reports, the gunman, former doctoral student Manuk Sirkar, fatally shot Professor William Klug. It happened in a fourth-floor office in one of the school's engineering buildings. Sirkar then turned the gun on himself. UCLA police was quick to react. We immediately put out a Bruin alert, and that's our campus alert notification system. Thousands of UCLA students raced for cover, hiding under library desks and holding up in classrooms, barricading doors with printers, projectors, and anything else they could find. Authorities at first mistook the murder-suicide as a mass shooting. Hundreds of officers from various law enforcement agencies descended upon the university, and school officials put the campus on lockdown. You can't say UCLA was unprepared for an emergency. But even with an abundance of preparation, things can still go wrong. The shooting at UCLA was tragic. But it does give us an opportunity to take a deeper look at it, see what we can learn, and ideally offer up some ways to make sure your campus is prepared in the event that you have an emergency. This is the topic we cover on today's episode of Unlocked. Welcome to Unlocked, a podcast series about the ups, downs, ins and outs of campus physical security. I'm your host, Brian Adolph. I partnered with Asa Abloy to make this podcast series with the goal of helping colleges and universities better understand the world of campus security. I hope this show will help you make more informed decisions when it comes to the safety of your students and staff. In this very first episode of Unlocked, we take a deeper look at campus lockdown. I try to answer the question of how can a campus best prepare for an emergency? I talk with a few leading safety experts about the policies and the procedures that surround locking down your campus and try to answer that question. I wanted to get a better understanding of what the concept of lockdown even means to a campus. So I asked a few people. Lockdown is the idea that... um, doors change behavior generally towards more secure in the event of a crisis. That's Bart Kartaz. I'm a principal at a company called Dynamic Security, and we're a security integrator in the physical security market. Lockdown is a concept that fits in a group of what are called functional protocols. In different types of emergencies, there are different functions you would perform. The most basic that we all know of is an evacuation. So lockdown is another one of the emergency functions that can be used depending on your situation. If you say lockdown means lock all the doors and provide nobody access, now you might have a case where somebody who needs to get access can't get in. So exactly what does locking down a building mean is a very interesting question. So I think you have to generalize and say locking down a campus 
is the act of, on an emergent basis, taking the campus from an open profile or as open as they are on a normal day to a more secure profile to protect lives and property. Um, and that might be different for different organizations. Right? It might depend on the level of, um, of public safety's presence, how, how quickly they could react to that area. It might depend upon what kind of people are coming and going from that building might, might change how lockdown actually is impacted. Another question I was curious about is, who is responsible for initiating a lockdown? I asked Chris Dorn. He's a security analyst with a nonprofit firm, Safe Havens International. And he told me anyone is. Anyone on the campus should be able to call a lockdown, call an emergency function. It could be a student, uh, a visitor, a staff member. Uh, we don't necessarily train visitors on this, but we want to train our staff members. If you're the one that sees the fire, you should pull the fire alarm. If you're the one that sees the gunman, you should be calling and, and activating a lockdown. This way of thinking has been a big shift in education as more awareness of these topics are coming to light. An interesting counterpoint to this concept of giving everyone the ability to call a lockdown is where people don't want to be held liable for calling or not calling a lockdown. This has come up on a number of campuses. Here's Chris Dorn again. One of the big challenges we have with lockdowns that leads to that type of response is schools that only have one form of lockdown. So if you only have one option for lockdown, and that's the Sandy Hook attack, that's the active shooter, the gunman lockdown, then we're not going to call that lockdown unless it's very serious because we don't want to disrupt the school. We don't want to look foolish, etc. Chris recommends having two forms of lockdown. There's the emergency or hard lockdown. That's like what we saw at UCLA. So that's locks, lights out of sight, get in your classroom, get in your office, maybe get under the desk, whatever you need to do to, to stay protected. But actually, the most common type of lockdown at schools is the other one, what's called a preventative or soft lockdown. This type of lockdown can be used for something as simple as a utility failure. For example, you have a power outage where you don't want people tripping in the hallway because the lights are off. When we use lockdowns more for those sort of mundane events, then it's not a big deal. And it's not too scary to do that. I've, I've seen schools that are going to lockdown a couple times a week because they're in an urban area. And every time they hear a helicopter, it's usually a police chase. And so just to be more cautious, they just go into lockdown and it's not a big deal. Now armed with a better understanding of what a lockdown is, let's go back to UCLA. I think because the incident there was isolated and not a mass shooting, it exposed shortcomings that many schools face during emergencies. In this case, however, UCLA received the unfortunate spotlight. During their lockdown, two major common campus issues came to light. Here's UCLA student Sean Dees from a news report right after the incident talking about that first issue. We had a problem because our doors don't lock. It's actually a relatively old building, so the fact that the doors didn't lock was a huge issue. We felt very unsafe. When Dees saw the Bruin alert notifications, she took cover and sheltered in a closed room with other students. But with doors that open outwards and didn't lock, she, like many students, were forced to improvise. You may recall seeing pictures in the news of these barricades that students posted on Twitter during the incident. One in particular shows a combination of a chair and a desk that's strapped to the door. And there's also a water bottle in there that's strapped to the whole contraption. And the caption reads, Doors open outwards with no locks, so we had to improvise our own locking mechanism. Hashtag UCLA shooting, hashtag engineers. While the news outlets picked up on the cleverness and the slight humor of engineering students doing, well, 
engineering. These pictures highlight one of the major issues facing campuses. They have a lot of rooms with a lot of doors, and those doors can't keep someone out if they don't lock. To get some advice on what should schools be doing with their doors, I reached out to Patrick Feel. He runs PVF Security Consulting. I have over 35 years of law enforcement experience. I'm the former public safety for ADT. I'm the executive director of Washington, D.C. Schools. I'm retired from the United States Army, and I had special assignments. I was in charge of the Pentagon War Room. I was in charge of NATO security for five years, and I retired out of West Point after four years. I think Patrick knows what he's talking about. Door locks, access control is very critical uh, when you have an active shooter situation. I went out to Virginia Tech during a shooting, and I was there on site for three days. You know, I'm a firm believer that if there is a a lock on the door, uh, that door is locked when it's closed. There's no second guessing. So the administrator or the teacher or the professor, they're the only one that really has a key to that door. So when that door is closed, and if they hear a situation in the, you know, outside or in the um, area, they don't have to go outside that door, open the door, and try to lock a door. And unfortunately, uh, that's what a professor happened in Virginia Tech. He encountered the shooter. But you got to remember, a lot of schools are still were built, you know, in the 40s and 50s, where, you know, security was never a concern. It was always about education. So you always got these nooks and crannies, I call them, that are spaces where, you know, students can go to to study. We have to close them down now, and it, it shouldn't be never an open classroom. I would tell you, an open classroom without a teacher or a professor is, is more liable than anything because there's other things that go on besides just an active shooter. Okay, so all doors should have locks and should be locked at all times. However, this opinion can sometimes run counter to the culture of a campus and the idea of the higher ed institution in general. Here's Bart Cartaz from Dynamic Security again. Because in the past, the universities, all those doors were open, right? You walk into the science building, the labs might be locked, but the doors to the classrooms are wide open. And if, you, if there was no class going on and you're with a team of six, six students, you walk into the room, you take it over and you start working. Happened all the time when I was in college. So are we saying that, that we're so afraid of bad things happening that we're going to lock all those rooms? And now I'm going to be walking down the hall with my six study friends and I'm going to have no place to go? Is that the situation we're going to create? Why? What are we accomplishing? Bart brings up a great point about how much security is too much, but how much is enough? I posed this question to Chris Dorn from Safe Havens. Here's what he had to say. You know, we used to have campuses where we could just wander in and out of buildings and things like that. In an ideal situation where our students do have card access and our campuses isn't enabled, then we could still have that same situation. I'm a student. I can wander into the library, uh, scan my card in, find an, an empty study area or an empty room and use my card to get into that area. Uh, these are examples of ways we can use that technology to maintain that level of, of openness. And this is the cultural shift that schools are forced to reckon with in our current security climate. How do you maintain the inviting sense of openness for your campus while avoiding the need for students to engineer barricades to protect themselves? It's a delicate balance, to say the least. Which brings us to the second major issue brought to light from the UCLA incident. Campus security is a twofold approach. There's the physical security, the equipment side of things. And then there's the staff training and empowerment side. 
UCLA has an extensive emergency preparedness plan in place. It allowed them to very quickly respond to the shooting. They contained an incident that could have gone much worse. But UCLA is huge. Educating all of that staff, faculty, and students on what to do in an emergency is a challenge for most campuses and one that needs to be looked at. You have staff members that may be part-time instructors or visiting instructors, things like that. You have students that may attend classes every day or they may attend classes one day a month or or even more infrequently depending on their degree program, etc. You have lots and lots of visitors at all times. You've got a mix between residential and, you know, instructional areas. That's Chris Dorn again. He reminds us that campuses by nature are spread out and accessed by many people doing many things. Reaching all of those different folks during or before an emergency is not easy. During the uh, recent UCLA shooting, one of the student interviews stood out to me where they said, I'm not going to say they didn't tell us what to do to provide us with this type of information, but we do get so many emails from the school and we get so much information and we have a lot going on as students. So I don't personally remember seeing anything. So it's it's very difficult, you know, when you can't even get a student to open an email for class or for other things like that, to get them to watch uh, a few minutes of training or maybe longer um, on lockdown procedures, things like that. So that's the big challenge with colleges. Unfortunately, there's no tried and true method for overcoming this challenge. It's an issue that needs to be tackled by campus leadership. And as we've seen with the more stringent locking of doors, safety must become part of the culture on campus. And it starts with having an emergency preparedness plan. Every campus, you know, should have an emergency preparedness plan today. Uh, but what we see is that uh, some of them don't take it for real. You know, some of it is just a tick mark. And that's what's the unfortunate because the ones that are not prepared are most likely the ones that are going to be have the problems. Then the end result is what you see that happened, you know, in, in the past. Patrick Feeligan from PVF Security Consulting. The first thing that you have to do, and this is where a lot of the schools, you know, are not really understanding. They need to get a vulnerability, an all-hazard risk assessment done of their facility, their campus, or building. This will make the determination, you know, exactly where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, and how to put a really a good, strong budget uh, to go forth. And everywhere I go and around the country, this is what they're lacking. The all-hazard assessment is not only talking about the active shooter emergency. It covers many things that can happen while students are on campus. It could be a tornado. And normally you get a warning. You know, but you very you a very fast warning, you know, so uh, you got a, a tornado in the area five minutes out. You know, you got, you know, five minutes to make a quick decision and get these you know students in the right place. So it's very critical that, you know, a PA system or a mass communication system uh, is working and that everybody uh, hears it, has knowledge of it or sees it so uh, they can go in and, and get protected. A major component of the assessment is to check and make sure the technology you have in place is actually working. Where are the gaps? We found out the PA system is only working in half of the building. So unfortunately, the other half didn't hear that there's an active shooter. Or, you know, the, the front door won't lock properly, you know, or the lights don't work uh, uh, when it's dark. I mean, so it's very critical that they understand, you know, that preparation for any type of event is, is, is crucial. So you've assessed your campus safety needs and put in place a solid emergency preparedness plan. But that's not enough. 
Chris Dorn tells me that training is an aspect commonly overlooked on campuses. So, for example, in most, many of the college-level higher ed shootings we've had, there's not actually a lockdown procedure. So we might know inherently as, a, as an individual we should secure ourselves. We might have seen the run-hide-fight video, things like that. But we want to train our staff on these procedures and then give them the tools to accomplish that. So we want to train our staff on when and how to lock down and make sure they can lock down. You hear things like lockdown failed at Sandy Hook or lockdown failed at Virginia Tech. Well, when you don't have a key to lock your room, when you don't have a procedure and drills and things like that, it's it's a bit of a misnomer to say that the lockdown failed when there wasn't actually a lockdown. Earlier in this episode, Bart Kartos described lockdown as the idea that doors change behavior towards more secure in the event of a crisis. But as we've just heard, securing your campus in an emergency goes much deeper than the simple act of locking it down. All schools must take responsibility for the safety of your students, faculty, and staff. You need to have a sufficient emergency preparedness plan in place. Take a look at your security technologies. Are they tested? Are they up to date? Have you conducted a thorough risk assessment of your campus? In the wake of the UCLA incident, the university created a task force to examine the response to the shooting. The task force is looking at several issues, including how emergency alerts were received and student complaints about classroom security and door locks. But this isn't isolated. These issues are inevitable on any campus. So in the event that you have to call a lockdown, ask yourself, Has your campus done everything they can to be prepared? To hear more episodes of Unlocked, head on over to intelligentopenings.com slash unlocked, or search for the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unlocked is produced by Riveting FM. If you like this episode or found any part of it helpful, please share it with your colleagues. Thanks for listening.